and a song about a historical Ukrainian hero by the name of Hamalia. And that was performed for you by Fata Morgana, formerly from Ukraine and now from the States for about the last oh, 20 years or so. Again, Fata Morgana and Hamalia. Vitaio vas vsih dorohi radio suhichi na radio peredaču naš holos radio krinskoho korinja. Hovorit Pavlina, djakuju što rišalo je prebuti zimnoju nastupnu hodenu, me majmo duže cikavi novene nasjurničnih prošami i takož čudovu krinsku muziku. Hello there and welcome to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm your host Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me this hour. We have a great program lined up for you. We've got Ukrainian news, or news from Ukraine rather, and that is courtesy Ukraine Today. As well, we have Ukrainian Jewish heritage and a book review about a book that is hot off the presses and it is the history of Babinyar and Peter will be telling you all about that coming up. So stay tuned. As well, we've got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And that song that opened our program harkens back to about 20 or so years ago. And we're going to stay in that era for just a bit. And we have now Bratehodyukina for you, the wild and crazy Viper Brothers from Ukraine, and a song that also dates back to the 1990s or maybe even a bit earlier. And here they are now Bratehodyukina with Arriva Derci Roma.
want to listen to Nash Holes without using your web browser? Well, it's very easy. Download Stitcher's Smart Radio for iPhone and Android. And now, Ukrainian food flair with Sylvia Molnar. Tips for Ukrainian cooking. Hello. We have a little plum tree in our front yard that gives us delicious fruit every year. Mom and Dad had a plum tree in their backyard that gave lots and lots of very sweet plums. Mom would make a beautiful thick jam called povedlo. It's like a plum butter. She would cook the fruit pulp in the oven for hours and hours. She used it as a filling for pastries or simply for jam. If you have access to a lot of prune plums or Italian plums, try making povedlo. You won't regret it. Just use fully ripe prune plums that are beginning to form wrinkles at the stems. At this stage, the plums are sweet and less juicy. Wash, pit, and cut the plums into quarters. Put them in a large roaster and add just a little bit of water to prevent burning. Cook slowly in a 350-degree Fahrenheit oven, uncovered, stirring from time to time until fairly thick. Sweeten the fruit to taste. You may not even have to add sugar if the plums are really sweet. Just keep cooking probably for five to six hours or longer, until it is good and thick. You should almost be able to stand a spoon in it. Pack into hot sealers and cover. The povedlo is well concentrated and requires no sealing, but if you wish, you may do so. Remember, you need prune plums. All prunes are dried plums. But not all plums can become prunes. In order to be a prune, a plum must be capable of drying with its pit in place. Most plums will ferment at the pit. The plum destined to become a prune plum stays on the tree until fully ripe in order to develop enough sugar. The plum also must have a freestone pit. They've been around since the days of early Rome. They are delicious, high energy, and high fiber morsels. We used to call mum's jam three-day jam because sometimes she'd slowly cook it in the oven for three days. So make Ukrainian-style plum jam or povedlo. It's the best. This has been Ukrainian Food Flair from the Nasholos Audio Archives. Vyslúchejte radio programu Nasholos Radio Krinskoho Korinia, ktorá podiecí vám na chvíli CHLY o den 0 o den 7 FM u místí Nanaimo. Hovoriť Pavlina. You're listening to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio, broadcasting live at CHLY 101.7 FM in beautiful downtown Nanaimo. I'm your host, Pavlina.
is an experimental group, at least that's how they label themselves, called Troyazilia, which is an offshoot of the Cherry Band, and they like to do different things. They experiment with all kinds of different genres of music, and as you can tell, that was a Ukrainian, um, I guess, a, what do they call those things, mashup, <laughs> of a traditional Ukrainian folk song, Payamo Payamo, and Dave Brubeck's very famous Take Five. Again, Troya Zilia with Payamo, Take 5. Up next, a little closer to home, we have Dunai from Toronto, Ontario. And this is from their most recent EP, a remake of the classic Ron Cahoot's Fly Kozak Fly. We are brothers for Steps the 
And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. Welcome to Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm Peter Bager. It was always a very scenic area of forests and ravines, a very pleasant green zone on the edge of the city. Picturesque. It was once known as the Switzerland of Kiev, innocent and bucolic. All that changed over the course of a couple of days at the end of September 1941. Babin Yar, on the outskirts of Kiev, became a global symbol of the Holocaust and entered the language as shorthand for unfathomable cruelty and unprecedented loss of life. Babanyar was the site of the murder of nearly 34,000 Kievan Jews that dark September. The killings continued over the next couple of years during the German occupation of Kiev, with continued shootings of tens of thousands more Jews, as well as the Roma people, the patients of psychiatric hospitals, Soviet prisoners of war, Ukrainian national activists, Communist Party members, and ordinary residents of Kiev taken as hostages. We are still coming to grips with this legacy. Now a new book, entitled Babin Yar, History and Memory, is dedicated to the commemoration of the 75th anniversary of Babin Yar. This book, sponsored by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, is the result of the collaborative effort of scholars working with the editors Vladislav Hrinevich and Paul Robert Mogocci. The scholars are from various disciplines in Canada, France, Israel, the Netherlands, Ukraine, and the United States. All the contributors were united by a desire to inform the international community about the history of one of the 20th century's most terrible human tragedies. They also wanted to underline the importance of preserving its memory. At the center of the book, of course, is the history of a Nazi crime. But this history is a departure point for a deeper discussion. The book also covers the politics of memory and forgetting from the Stalinist period to the present day and the cultural memory of Papin Yar. The contributions to this volume are based on documentary sources and academic research. The essays provoke questions for further discussion, especially since the various authors may raise the same questions, but do not always arrive at the same answers. As the editors in the introduction to the book point out, this most recent anniversary of the Babinier tragedy allows us to understand that the past is not some construct set in stone, forever fixed in place. It is instead a dynamic phenomenon open to new discoveries. Every era and every generation contributes its own vision and interpretation of the Babinier tragedy. These are expressed in a variety of dimensions. Finally, it is important to point out there is a generational aspect to the reinterpretation of this tragedy, as every generation does this in its own way. The book also poses questions, especially to those who were born in an independent Ukraine. What is Babin Yar in our memory? And how does this memory fit into our understanding of the past, and into the philosophical and ideological picture of the present and the future? As the editors remind us, to know and remember the Babinyar tragedy means not allowing such a crime to be repeated. And in the Ukrainian experience, Babinyar is also a symbolic farewell to empire 
and its mythological legacy, a return to the work of sadness and the formation of a culture of mourning. As Norman Neymark of Stanford University points out in his preface to the book, Babanyar is in many ways still unfinished business. There is no consensus on how to memorialize the Kievan Jews killed there. There is also considerable confusion about how to deal with the multiple interests of victim groups, in addition to the Jews who lost substantial numbers of their people at Babanyar. But as Neymark writes, one thing is certain. Babanyar will be remembered in Ukraine. In the wake of Ukrainian independence in 1991, the Orange Revolution of 2004, and the Euromaidan demonstrations of the winter of 2013-2014, Ukrainians and Jews have linked arms to honor those who perished at the hands of the Nazis during the war. Babanyar unites their common grief and inspires common hopes for amity, justice, and truth. This has been Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Stay tuned for future shows for information on how to acquire the book Babinyar History and Memory. From San Francisco, I'm Peter Baker. Until next time, Shalom. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com. Ви слухаєте радіопередачу «Наш голос» радіо українського коріння на хвилі CHLY 1017 FM у місті Ненаймо. При мікрофоні Павліна. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Ненаймо. I'm your host, Павліна.
And another Toronto group for you, that was the Canadian Bandurus Capella with a song from the Sitchovistudilzi era. And uh, that stands, that translates rather as sharpshooters. And this harkens back about a hundred years or so ago. And the song is called Oi Vedno Solo, which means, Hey, there is a village in sight. Coming up next is a Ukrainian group by the name of Kozak System and featuring Taras Chubai. This is a song from the Povstansky era, and that is the next war in the 20th century, the uh, World War II era. And it's actually even past World War II when Ukrainians were fighting both um, the Nazis and Soviets, and then after World War II ended, just the Soviets. And the song is called Lenta Zalentoyu, which means past the magazine, and it's not the kind you read. Вечір вечоріє, повстанське серце б'є, а лента на бої поспішно подає, а лента зелентою на бої подавай, країнські повстанче в бою не відступай, а лента зелентою на бої подавай, країнські повстанче в бою не відступай. А ворог атакує і прийця, що сил, юнак кулеметник їх правно косив. Ах, лента зелентою на бої подавай, країнський повстанче в бою не вступай. Ах, лента зелентою на бої подавай, країнський повстанче в бою не вступай. Як сонце сходило, втомлений юнак, упав він ранений, упав він на знак, ах, лента зелентою на бої подавай, країнський повстанче в бою не вступай, ах, лента зелентою на бої подавай, країнський повстанче в бою не вступай. До нього санітарка поспішно йде, в обличчя вдивляєсь, його пізнає. Ах, лента зелентою на бої подала, Український повстанче в бою не відступай. Ах, лента зелентою на бої подавай, Український повстанче в бою. Oh, yeah. 
Повстанче бою не виступай, ах лента зелентою на бой подавай. Країнський повстанче бою не виступай. And now a special feature courtesy Ukraine Today, Ukraine's first English-language TV and news channel. The following is one of a series of features exploring pressing issues in today's Ukraine. Hello and welcome to Ukraine Today. My name is Sergei Ganisyan. Drones have changed our lives. They help do casual tasks, save lives, fight corruption, and even catch Pokemons. And today we are going to talk about that with our guest, Valery Yakovenko, co-founder of Ukrainian company DroneUA. Mr. Yakovenko, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you very much for coming here. So, uh, Mr. Yakovenko, drones really have changed our lives. Some of the best shots uh, during the Maidan Revolution were made with drones, and drones uh, used in the army, uh, in military operations. Uh, but your company is a business company, so tell me, where do you think using drones is the most profitable? Uh, well, uh, I think that uh, drones came, came into our lives uh, before Maidan, actually, and before all other military stuff that has been happened here in Ukraine. I think the some most interesting parts of uh, drones and uh, working processes with drones are in agriculture. So this is our focus here in Ukraine, and more than 2 million of hectares are now using drones, using our drones. It's uh, quite challenging because uh, this is the biggest amount of land uh, observed by drones in the world, I think. So currently you're focusing solely on the agriculture? Uh... No, we do have some other projects in different uh, industries like mining, like uh, forestry, forestry, like uh, geese and topography uh, systems. So we have a lot of projects even in energetics and in uh, oil and gas industries. But the most profitable, as you mentioned, uh, is uh, agriculture. So how profitable is, is this exactly? It is profitable enough. It's profitable enough to grow. In, uh, well, we do have some kind of economic crisis in Ukraine here. And it is extremely difficult to grow now here. And uh, we do it, and we do it 400% per year. Uh, wow. Yes, and uh, this is a very good example how in, in a crisis economy you can build something new. Uh, this is an example. Wow, uh, that's really quite growth, quite a big growth. And what uh, drones are you using? Where do you get them and how do you construct uh, them? We do have a lot of different drones, like hundreds of them and um, hundreds of diff different uh, modifications. Uh, Mostly we do uh, separate them by um, complications. So uh, the cheapest drones we do use, we buy from China and modify them uh, to use in agriculture, for example. Uh, some kind of plane platforms, drones with wind type uh, platform or constructions, we do build ourselves. Uh, some kind of big multi-rotor platforms, we also do, do build ourselves. 
So we do, do have different tasks and different solutions. And how many drones do you have? Uh, at this time, I think there are hundreds of them, but... Uh, like we do sell them, we do use them, we do break them, and it's <laughs> we do change them all the time. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, and going back to your project, agricultural project, uh, I've seen the results on your website, and according to them, you managed to discover or expose uh, $200 damage done to Ukrainian forests. Uh, due to illegal cutting. So how does it work exactly? Uh, well, yeah, this is a different project. It's not agricultural. It's, it's, it uses the same technique. We do have uh, a new uh, direction uh, direction of our work. It's called Zemlin Online. It's cloud-based, cloud-based analytical systems uh, to work with uh, huge amounts of open data, open layers. And uh, the source of these layers is satellite imagery. And than that, uh, we do provide services for our agriculture partners, our agricultural clients, to provide crop monitoring during a year or during a season. The same idea and the same technology is placed into the foresty uh, monitoring. And we did a pilot project in, only in Kyivska Oblast um, on 50,000 of hectares here. And uh, we also uh, achieved some additional help from our partners who helped us to understand where is the foresty cut done legally or not. So this information helped us to build some kind of analytics. And uh, we did build a system uh, which used several layers of information, for example, satellite imagery, drones, and land validation as well. And using all the all, all the complex of information we can uh, uh, automatically understand where it is uh, happening the cutting illegal cutting in here in Ukraine. So and we combined it with um, uh, um, systems of alerts. So if in Ukraine now in Kievska Oblast somewhere uh, begins illegal cutting of the trees. Uh, like huge amounts enough, like half of hectares or more, uh, the person uh, will uh, will receive uh, 24 hours after the satellite came uh, upon this uh, spot a uh, notification that in this coordinate it is a problem. You have to compare it with uh, um, all official information. Is it legal or not? Is it if it is legal, you have to. Like, um, uh, just don't worry. And uh, if it is illegal, you can oper- uh, operatively uh, come there and uh, fix the problems, fix the numbers of trucks, fix the names uh, of the companies, etc., uh, who perform these uh, problems. Well, so it's it's really a uh, preventive measures and monitoring of the problem at the same time, changing country, basically fighting corruption. And the idea of this project is not is not new. There are some project projects provided by NASA or provided by several Ukrainian institutes uh, here in Ukraine, by, uh, but all of them are based on the, some kind of historic. Um, um, analytics uh, and uh, they do not provide operative analysis. So basically here you can prevent future infestations of these problems but uh, historically you can also understand how these problems uh, were involved in development. So uh, this is a monitoring tool and also um, a tool for, for preventive measures. 
Oh, oh wow, that sounds great. And actually, uh, you're, I, I've seen the uh, ad on the Pokemons, and you're actually uh, offering people to catch Pokemon, but come on, that's cheating. And how many people actually in Ukraine would, would be interested in that? Yes, this is cheating. And it does, it's not As good. you mentioned. Yes. But uh, the Pokemons are quite popular now, and it is... Uh, Uh, it was a nice idea for us to get uh, this idea as a model for our new product and uh, to promote ourselves, our technologies to the huge amount of people. Uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, fortunately, this is only marketing. So we do not uh, offer people to get Pokemons with drones, but we help the, them to understand what drones are. So this is not a military technology. This is not something scientific, uh, scientifically un untouchable. Uh, this is a technology uh, what came into our lives, and you can use it every day. So this is a way to understand and to help to understand people uh, what technology is. And considering that you mentioned a 400% growth, that I, I think this your technologies are really successful. Uh, And but on a more on a more serious note, you mentioned that uh, drones can be used in military operations. But however, you do not offer your drones, or you, uh, you're not looking to co cooperate with the army, with the Ministry of Defense, for example, of Ukraine. First of all, uh, we have some kind of stra strategy, business strategy. Uh, we have chosen to work only in industrial fields like mining or agriculture, etc. So our focus is to work in these fields. Uh, we do not talk too much about military services, about military drones, etc. Uh, this is a con uh, this, uh, we do not do this because of our business strategy. At this time in Ukraine, there are a lot of drones, and uh, the biggest part of them is used in military operations. I cannot tell you that uh, these drones are military uh, equipment. Like uh, looking worldwide. There are a lot of different applications, or not applications, different drone platforms uh, specialized for military use. In Ukraine, there is no even one drone uh, which can be called as a military. All of them are drones made by hobbyists or uh, drones made by uh, companies based on hobby equipment. And this is not good and not right. Unfortunately. So, uh, I'm sorry, it just sounds like you're a bit afraid of uh, competition. The most expensive part of uh, drone technology is not a drone. It is a way, this is, it is a, way, a way to analyze, to understand, to implement information collected by drone. This is a point. And the drone itself is not something like um, hard to understand or develop. Even a child can build a drone, but uh, a child will not understand how much fertilizer, what kind, uh, what kind of fertilizer, or what quantity of fertilizer we have to put in the field, in the different part of the field using drone technology. We do work mostly on software, on, on analytics, on mathematic models. This is our like know-how, which and actually this helps us to be such popular. How does uh, Ukrainian law regulate? Uh, you mentioned before that uh, Ukrainian law didn't regulate uh, at this at the time when you started. So has the situation improved here? Do you know where you can film or shoot videos? Do you know where you cannot do it? 
We don't have, uh, do not have clear in, uh, situation here. Uh, in, in the law in Ukraine, there are uh, five or six implementations of the information uh, with the drone worked in it. Uh, there is no clear rules what you can do or, you, or what you cannot do in Ukraine using drones. Uh, there, are, there are some kind of information for classification of the air in Ukraine, and we, use, we do use this information providing our services because uh, the most important part uh, of our work is to do a safe work, and uh, we do not fly close to the airports. We do not fly on the high more than uh, 300 meters. Uh, we do use technology safely and we do provide all the time technical assistance and information. So we do use European practice or United States practice and implement it here uh, without uh, obligation to do it, but we do it and we do provide this information for all of our clients. Uh, in the future, uh, the regulations in the UAV industry in Ukraine will develop and it, it is happening now. There, there was a lot of work done, but the f we cannot see final results. So we have uh, uh, developed a lot of documents inside of the ministries, but these documents are not, are not published for the public. This is not a law. This is kind of different documents. And we are still quite far away from the clear regulations of the UAV industry in Ukraine. Well, it's sad to hear, and I can only wish you luck and hope that Ukraine at some point will introduce a law regulating this much-needed sphere. Mr. Yakovenko, thank you very much for your time and for your answers. They are much appreciated. Thank you very much for coming here. You've been watching Ukraine Today. Many thanks for joining us, and I'll see you next time. This has been a special feature, courtesy Ukraine's first English-language TV and news channel, Ukraine Today. To hear more from Ukraine Today, check all of this week's editions of Nasholos at www.nasholos.com. And for their full roster of breaking stories, as well as interviews, press reviews, and in-depth analysis on Ukraine, follow Ukraine Today on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and their live blog, uatoday.tv. Vyslúchajte rádio peredáču náš holos Rádio Krínskoho Korínia na rádiostancii CHLY o DN0 o DN7 FM u místíne najmo. Zváme Pavlina. You're listening to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm your host, Pavlina. Here's what's happening this week in Central Vancouver Island's Ukrainian community. Father Chad Paulishin and the parishioners of St. Mary's Ukrainian Orthodox Church in Parksville invite you to services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., followed by fellowship in the hall. St. Mary's Ukrainian Orthodox Church is at 594 Carlsway in Parksville. Stock up on homemade pierogies, pies, or both while you're there every Sunday from noon till 1 p.m. That's St. Mary's Ukrainian Orthodox Church in Parksville, 594 Carlsway. For more information, visit them online at vanisleparochial.ca.
Father Theo Mashinsky and the parishioners of St. Michael's Ukrainian Catholic Church invite you to Divine Liturgy every Saturday at 11 a.m. and Sunday at 6 p.m., followed by Fellowship in the Hall. Their hall and kitchen facilities are also available for rent. St. Michael's Ukrainian Catholic Church is located at 4017 Victoria Avenue in Nanaimo, just off Norwell Drive. The Visna Ukrainian Dancers rehearse every Tuesday evening from September to June at St. Michael's Ukrainian Catholic Parish Hall, 4017 Victoria Avenue in Nanaimo. Fun for all ages. To join or for more information, email visnadancers at gmail.com or visit their Facebook page. That was a group called Kamuvnez and a song called Povstanets, which translates as freedom fighter, and it's pretty well, if you understand Ukrainian, it is a story of centuries of bloodshed, which the current war, I suppose, is hoping to put an end to forever. Kamuvnez and Povstanets. 
For the very best in Ukrainian programming, tune in to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio in Vancouver every Saturday at 6 p.m. Pacific Time on AM 1320 CHMB and streaming at am1320.com. Live in Nanaimo Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific Time on CHLY 101.7 FM and online at chly.ca and elsewhere in the world on the PCJ Radio Network on AM FM and Shortwave Radio. In between broadcasts, you can find us online at www.nasholos.com where you can get podcasts Podcast links to all three editions of the show, and do make sure to follow Nasholos on Twitter and please like our Facebook page. And our proverb of the week translates as God helps those who study hard. And that is good advice since we are back to school pretty much everywhere around the world. And that brings us to the end of another edition of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. To take us to the end of our program, we have the Ukrainian Connection from Saskatchewan from their Volume 1 album and Glenn's Polka. I'm Pavlina on behalf of all of us here at Nasholos and PCG Radio. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, Dopobachenia. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.